Hey fiends, I'm Isabel. And I'm Andrew. And this is Parafiend. Yes it is. Thanks for joining us. See you guys later. Oh my gosh, you were enthusiastic. <laughs> you were very, very loud. I guess, yeah. I don't know. Um, uh, it's, it's late in the evening. I'm del getting delirious and it's going to be great. You were me like a month ago. Do you remember whenever we recorded that episode and I was just so beyond tired because I had only had like... I think like three hours of sleep, yeah. but I had been up for like over 24 hours. Yeah. Actually, I think that was the last Patreon episode that we did. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But it was still like two weeks ago that we recorded that one, right? Three now? I, no, it's been about a month. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Recording early. Yep. See? I don't even know where I'm at. That's okay. So we don't have a lot of business up front. Um, a lot of the things that we want to talk about, we're going to cover like during segments and then at the end. Mm -hmm. So I think it's probably okay to just, I don't know, just jump into the topic. That's good because this topic is dope. All right, let's go. Come closer, fiendish friends, and let us tell you a tale. So for today's episode, I decided to get down with one of my favorite motifs. Okay. Something about the Wild West has me romanticized. I know that there would be significant downfalls that I'm not seeing because I'm not living in it, but damn if it doesn't sound cool to like live by the horse and the gun, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I grew up like kind of on that side of the country. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of like places you could go and see like cemeteries right. and old ghost towns and they're really cool. Oh, absolutely. And so in the spirit of digging into something I found interesting, I'm going to explore a famous haunted place that has a rich Wild West boomtown history. Nice. Now let's go back and visit Deadwood, South Dakota. Oh, let's do it. Yeah, I've never been to this one. So as you fiends know, I'm an East Coast dude, born in Virginia and now living in North Carolina. I don't know much about westward expansion except what I learned in history class, and that was a minute ago. I do have a fascination with the West, though. So when I'm doing the podcast for y'all and I get some self-study in, I appreciate you fiends giving me that opportunity. Which leads me to my first, huh, I didn't know that. Okay, if you don't know it, I probably don't know it either. Well, did you know Deadwood, South Dakota was the site of the last major gold rush in the lower 48? I did not. When Horatio Ross first uncovered the first bit of gold in the Black Hills of the South Dakota Territory, it was the catalyst for a whole series of events that led to a massive serving of suffering. Ooh, okay. Yeah, gold leads to greed, and greed often leads to blood. Oh, yeah. You see, the Black Hills was what you would call disputed territory, as it was half inside the Native American Indian, Indian Reservation, which was occupied by the Sioux Tribe. I don't know. There's It's something about money. Just money always leads to bad decisions. Mm -hmm. People will do the craziest things for cash. No, absolutely. Or gold, you know, in yeah, this case. I mean, yeah, same thing, right? Yeah. Well, understandably, the Sioux were not stoked when George Armstrong Custer and more than 1,000 men marched into the Black Hills to lay claim to the stake. Oh, I don't blame them. Well, I'm not going to get into the conflicts and the struggles that followed, but it does seem important to note that before the first building is built there, there's already a lot of emotion and conflict. Oh, I don't doubt that. I mean, any time really that uh, people came into contact with Native Americans, it didn't mm. typically seem to go well. Right. A um, lot of prejudice. Yeah, and they were already taken from their native lands and put into the reservation at this point. Oh, yeah. That just makes it so much worse. Mm-hmm. So Ross found the gold in 1874, Custer came in during 75, and Deadwood was a booming town by 76. Okay. It wasn't just any type of town, though. It was a mining town. 
By this point in history, mining booms had been seen before so people knew what to expect. Miners threw up a place to sleep real quick and got to panning and digging, while merchants and businessmen got to putting up hasty buildings to sell their wares or services. Saloons, brothels, general stores, hotels, and more would be put up to soak up the gold that was coming out of the hills. I mean, what's gold without a little ass, too? (laughs) Yeah, right? Just saying. So gold, greed, guns, and liquor. You can see where this was going. You forgot sex. Yeah, well, that didn't have a G. but Uh, Okay, fair enough. I guess neither did liquor. Anyways, Deadwood was not a place for the soft or the meek. This fact is codified by one of Deadwood's most famous names. Wild Bill Hickok is what we would know him as, but his given name was James Butler Hickok. Okay. Dude was a wild guy, and a podcast could do an entire episode on his life and ventures. Now, we will summarize Bill's life with a quick overview. He was raising hell from the time he was a child and took off to the West when he was 18 in order to avoid some trouble with the law. Ironically, he would end up being a lawman for the frontier territories later in his life. Now, Bill was also a soldier in the Union Army where he was noted for his skill as a scout, a spy, and a marksman. This role as a marksman would help him later both professionally and personally. He was a serious gambler and got into some seriously notable shootouts. His affinity for gambling is ultimately what led to his demise, though. God, it seems like that happened a lot to Mm -hmm. people back then. Yeah. Well, he was shot and killed in Deadwood while playing poker by fellow gambler Jack McCall in Saloon Number 10. Bill always sat with his back to the wall, but the day of his death, the only seat available was with his back to the door. Oof. So McCall walked in and shot Bill in the back of the head, shouting, Damn you, take that. Wow. Yeah. That is really fucked up. But it's also a really lame thing to say as you're shooting someone in the back of the head. I guess I don't have much to say about it, because I don't even know what I would say to somebody if I was about to shoot them. I mean, that's fair. Mainly because I don't think I'd ever shoot anybody. Mm-hmm. In the back, especially for gambling. Right. Bill's hand at the time of his slaying was two pairs, black aces and black eights, with the fifth card being disputed. Even the suit of cards has been disputed, actually. But a pair of aces and a pair of eights has become known as the dead man's hand. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, aside from Wild Bill, there have been some other notable figures who passed through Deadwood and made their mark. Calamity Jane earned her fame and reputation in Deadwood as well. Calamity Jane. Calamity Jane. She sounds like a badass. <laughs> well, she became an acquaintance and a hangaround of Wild Bill at the time, and even went after McCall with a meat cleaver at the time of the murder. Oh, wow. Okay. She was a crazy badass. Mm. Jane had reportedly left her pistols in her room, and it was the only reason she didn't shoot him dead. Wow. Okay. She was like, well, don't have my pistols, so might as well get my meat cleaver. Yeah, she was going to take him out. Wow. I don't want to go too much into Jane or her life either. I would just end up doing an entire episode on the pair. But she had a wild life too. A scout for the army, a marksman, and later a storyteller in Buffalo Bill's Wild West show. Wow. I know that you're like, oh, we should never go into them, especially because it's a paranormal podcast. Yeah. But I am intrigued. I know. it. It's an interesting pair, and I really wish I had the time to go into them. And that's fair. Maybe, like, one day we can do, like, a surprise pop-up episode that's not paranormal. Mm -hmm. Just on them, just for the hell of it. Could. Yeah, potentially. Okay. Well, I mean, paranormal tie-in, they're both buried in Deadwood. Nice. Okay. So she was present and participated in the 1901 Pan-American Exposition. In the end, though, it was alcoholism and addiction to liquor that took Jane down. Her last wishes were to be buried next to Wild Bill. 
Now there's a folktale about a bit of dark humor involved. I know you fiends like dark humor. So I guess Bill didn't really care for Jane when he was alive and quote, had absolutely no use for her. Oh, wow. Yeah. So when Jane requested that she be buried next to Bill, the folks who knew him thought it would be super funny to mess with it. Yeah. Mess with Bill by giving Jane her final request. Fucking with your dead body. Classic. Wow. That mm-hmm. is insane. Does it, did you see anywhere like why he didn't like her? Was she like obsessed with him, but he was like, get away from me, woman. Right. It was kind of like, I like this guy. I'm going to stick around. And he's like, dude, leave me alone. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's kind and, of the gist that I got. And then it seems like, like a stroke of luck that he died first so that she could be like, yeah, but I'm going to be buried next to you forever. Mm. I bet his wife was super stoked about that. Oh, he was married. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, well, okay. Yeah. Well, whoops. That's just a moment of the violence that existed within the town, right? Okay. It was It was a bar fight every night kind of place. That didn't last forever, though. Eventually, things settled down, and this was especially so with the arrival of the railroad, the telegraph slash telephone service, and electricity. After too long, Deadwood became a flourishing community. Deadwood, like the entire damn town, became a national historic landmark in 1961. It would seem that Deadwood is the only town that can claim this honor. Really? Mm-hmm. Not even Tombstone in Arizona? Nope. Really? There's spots in Tombstone that are like historical and whatnot, but Deadwood is the only town that in its entirety is a national historic monument. Wow. Okay. Very or landmark. Cool. Sorry, or landmark. The history of the town's origins is a major tourism attractant. The ghost tours and Halloween specials that it puts on are just part of the tourism dangle as well. Every October, you can go hit South Dakota for the annual Dead Weird Festival, and you can even win $10,000 at the costume contest. Dead Weird is a freaking cool name. It is. But in order for ghost tours and Halloween spooky specials, it's got to be haunted, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Well, Deadwood is hailed as South Dakota's most haunted city. And why wouldn't it be? There was a ton that happened here, and it's likely that some of those souls are still kicking it in the area. I mean, I would not doubt it. Oh, right? It seems like a lot of those old Westie kind of towns are very haunted. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, there was a lot of death. I mean, shootouts almost every day. A lot of shootouts, a lot of bar fights, a lot of murdering people in the creek for gold, you know. Yeah, just, oh, so much violence and bloodshed. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. And I'm going to run down a list of places that are supposed to have some spirits lingering about inside the town. Okay. This way you fiends can plan out where you want to visit and where to avoid depending on your preferred amount of ghostly interactions. Although I think if you want to go check out the history of Deadwood, you're just going to have to accept that you may have some ghosts in it too. Oh yeah, sure. So unless you're a South Dakota native and taking a day trip, you're probably going to want to have a roof over your head for an evening or two, right? Well, what better place to stay for a few nights other than the historic Bullock Hotel? Described as the jewel of downtown Deadwood, the Bullock still has the look and feel of what you would imagine it to be in the late 1800s, but with a few modern amenities. The hotel is named after businessman and Deadwood's first sheriff, Seth Bullock. Not only is the hotel named after Sheriff Bullock, but he is also its most long-term guest. Oh. As you walk the halls of the Bullock Hotel, you may encounter his apparition, but more likely, you'll just smell him. Smell him. 
Bullock was claimed to be an avid cigar smoker. Okay. And it would seem that he is still puffing away on one in the afterlife. I was going to go like, does he have like bad body odor or like what's going on here? Like I I knew logically you were going to say cigars, mm-hmm. but when you're like, smell him, the first thing I thought was, oh, he, he must have smelled horrible. Which right? like in truth, he probably did because we're talking about mm-hmm. like yeah. an old gold town. So. Right. I'm sure showering was not at the top of uh, their list. No, but it was a good setup, wasn't it? It was. So I'd be pretty annoyed if I had a room full of cigar smoke when I was trying to get some sleep, right? Sure. But even if you don't encounter his apparition or his smoke, make sure you take plenty of pictures. He has been known to be lurking in the background of people's photographs. Okay. So some of these can even be found hanging on display at the hotel. There's a, actually even a story of a boy who was lost, and after searching the hotel top to bottom, the parents found the boy in their room. Oh. Mm-hmm. The boy claimed that a man had helped him back to his room after he got lost on his way to get a soda. The next morning, the boy pointed to a picture of Bullock and stated, that's the man who helped me. That's so creepy, but it also takes me back to, I can't remember, was it the Gettysburg episode where you're talking about where there's a helpful ghost there? That'll point uh, lost people that are walking around to in the direction that they need to go. I'm pretty sure that was Gettysburg. It might have been Gettysburg, yeah. It, it's just, it's interesting to me that there's like ghosts out there that aren't like out to do anything but like help people. Right. It's interesting. Casper the Friendly Ghost. Yeah. Deadwood has other hotels to offer. The Fairmont Hotel and Casino is also right downtown and very close to other historic locations. The Fairmont wasn't always a hotel though. It's only been performing that function since 1989. Before that, it was a brothel. Okay, I thought you were going to go there. Mm-hmm. This matters because there is supposedly a grumpy dude hanging out on the third floor. He goes by the name of Henry, and he's angry that his girlfriend died of syphilis. Oh. I mean, I get it. Being upset that your significant other died? Tragic for anyone. I guess he still hasn't gotten over it and is hanging around trying to hold on to the past. Or... He's hanging around upstairs, pissed that it's no longer a brothel, and he is like, where are all the women at? Could be a little bit of both. Maybe. Well, the Fairmont is also home to Maggie, who committed suicide by leaping from a window on the third floor. Oh, sad. She allegedly did this after discovering that her lover had up and left the territory, essentially abandoning her. And sadly, it seems she never left the hotel and now lingers on. Hopefully she has found some closure in her time there and is only chilling there because she wants to. Yeah, I hope so as well. But I think it's also interesting that that's like the kind of like the basis of a lot of stories with women, Mm. like from, I don't know, early 1900s, 1800s, where it's like, oh, their lover died or their lover took off and left them or like they became pregnant or whatever. And they're like, she left from the roof of, you know, whatever building or she did this or that. She's always taken herself out. And I'm like, come on, ladies, know your Mm. worth. Yeah, it reminds me of the Drake. Yeah. The lady in red. Yeah. It's a very common story. Mm -hmm. A trope. Yes. Yeah. Well, then, of course, there are the other minor haunts that seem to come with the major haunts. Phantom touches, stuff moving around or not being where it was left, and weird stuff showing up in photographs. I don't know if that's Maggie or, you know, other people in the hotel, but I hope that at least if their spirits are hanging around, they're at peace. Yeah, we hope so. The Fairmont is also just to the left of where the original Saloon Number 10 was. Okay. Speaking of original Saloon Number 10, it is now the Wild Bill Bar and Trading Post. 
It's not so much of a Wild West saloon anymore. It's more of a gift shop, tourist trap type location. You can still get a beer there though. Most importantly, you can see the room where Wild Bill was gunned down and where some paranormal investigators believe they made contact with him. Okay, so they turned the place that he died in into a a gift shop? Essentially, kind of like a come over here, get your Deadwood picture and like funny outfit, have a soda fountain, just touristy thing. Yeah, okay. You may also encounter some spirits in the theater area on the second floor, but all in all, I'm not sure if this one is actually haunted or if the idea that it is just kind of helps get people in the door. It would be cool to play a hand of cards in that back room, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm, like, not a big gambler, I'd give it a go. Yeah, I still like to play cards. You, you don't have to be a gambler to like playing cards. Yeah, but it's a gambling facility. Oh, okay, fair enough. Just saying, you want to make it authentic. Now, down the street, there is another venue which is named Saloon Number 10. This particular shop holds the chair in which Wild Bill was shot, and it is mounted right above the main entrance. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't seem to be a hoax either. It's also advertised as the only museum with a bar. And this one doesn't seem to be overly haunted, but you may encounter whispers, phantom touches, or even the piano playing a few notes all by itself. I've always thought that that was like really cool. I've always wanted to experience a piano playing. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. That just seems like a really interesting one to hear. It really is. Now, on a non-paranormal side note, the place also has a taxidermy two-headed calf that was named Double Cheeseburger. Oh my gosh. That is the funniest name ever. Right. It's like how when people name their cats like Taco. Mm, yeah. They're always naming their cats after food. And you don't hear it much with like other animals. Right. It's just, it's funny. Yeah. Well, that's like naming a pig bacon. I don't know why I didn't think of that. Okay. I'm <laughs> dumb. Sorry. Move on. Oh boy. I thought the double cheeseburger bit was pretty funny oh, too, Oh, it is right? hilarious. And I don't know why my mind didn't immediately go to, it's a cow. Mm. I, I don't know. Yeah. Shame me. On that note, though, we will need to stop in at the Franklin Hotel. The Franklin is a restored hotel which holds one of Deadwood's best restaurants in its basement. Legend Steakhouse looks like a pretty fancy place, but they sell themselves as casual elegance. So I guess it's not a suit and tie kind of joint. But a trip to the hotel or steakhouse may leave you with an interaction with the hotel's namesake. Harris Franklin threw down a sizable investment into the hotel when it was being built, and it would seem that he never really was able to let that investment go. Now, he can be found around the hotel in various locations, and some of the staff believe he is there to make sure that the hotel is being managed the way it should be. Gotta protect that investment, I guess. Yeah, micromanaging from, you know, the paranormal, from the veil. from Beyond the the, grave. Yeah, that, that one. And then there's the Adams House. W.E. Adams was the owner back in 1892. And I guess it was the most notable house in all of Deadwood because it had indoor plumbing, electricity, and even a telephone line. Okay, it was like popping for its time. It was the bougie house. Yep. It is an incredible house just looking at the pictures of it, right? It's got a really cool front porch with a spire tower type construction on the right side of it. Okay. It kind of makes the house look like a castle or a mansion. Oh, okay. So like my kind of place. You would dig it. Okay. Anyways, it would seem that one day Adams had a stroke and just dropped dead in the home. Now, according to his wife, he wasn't done living there. She believed that his spirit still haunted the house as she could hear footsteps on the second floor when she was on the first. Ooh. 
This caused her to book it out of there and head back to California where her family was. And when she did this, she made a huge commotion about how the residence was haunted, and this seemed to do a pretty good job of keeping everyone out of the place. The home sat empty for 50 years until it was turned into a museum. Why this place? Because when Miss Adams bailed, she left everything in her home. Oh, so it just like stayed like kind of... Yeah, it seems as though she took maybe a suitcase and left everything behind. The building was left with medicine still in the cabinets, sheet music still in the music room. A very cool find and even cooler for historical preservation. It essentially provided a snapshot of what it would have been to live like back then. It's almost like it was just frozen in time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Employees who have worked at the museum have observed rocking chairs begin to sway with no reason, hearing voices and footsteps all throughout the building, and have even observed the shadow of a man in the window on the second floor when it was known that no living person was inside the building. Oof. Can you imagine that? No, but yes. It's also kind of sad because if it really is her husband, Mm -hmm. he essentially was like, I'm going to stay and look after my wife, you would Mm. think, right? And then she was like, footsteps, I'm out of (laughs) here. And then she just like abandoned his ghost. And then he's just like still sitting there like twiddling his thumbs like, is she coming back? Yeah, right. It's so sad in a way. Mm. That might not be what's going on, but that's just my first instinct. That is pretty sad. Yeah. Well, the shadow is definitely the most sketchy to me. Is that kind of paranormal event ever really a good thing? I mean, window shadows never seem like good guys. Always kind of angry. I mean, yeah, he's probably he probably is pissed. To be fair, yes. If I stayed around, Mm -hmm. like if I died first, and I was like, I'm gonna stay and I'm gonna watch after Andrew. And then I'm going to wait for him, like, so whenever he passes, then we can go on together or whatever. And then, like, I creak one floorboard, and you're like, what the fuck? And then It's a ghost! Yeah, I'm out of here! And then you just leave me? I'm going to be like, you got to be fucking kidding me. And I'd be really mad. No, that's why you need to move on. If you beat me out the door, then you need to just uh, hit that light, and I'll see you on the other side. All right, fair enough. Now, you can finish out your trip to Deadwood at the Mount Moriah Cemetery where Wild Bill and Calamity Jane are laid to rest. Seth Bullock was also buried here, but it seems his spirit was not content with hanging out in the cemetery. There's nothing that notes any particular haunts that are associated with the property, but plenty of people have had their own unique or individual experiences with the paranormal on the grounds of the cemetery. If nothing else, you can at least catch a pretty good view of the area from the cemetery as it sits above the town of Deadwood. Oh, it's like elevated. Mm -hmm. That's kind of cool. I mean, if you're lucky, you may run into an old gold miner or an 1800s Deadwood resident. I don't know how I would feel about that. Could you imagine like walking along and then you just see a gold miner and maybe they've got like a pickaxe? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, serial killer. That would be my first thought. (laughs) Like, I am out of here. You turn the corner like up in the cemetery and there's like a creek and a dirty old man is panning for gold with a giant bushy beard. And you're like, what the fuck? You look away, look back, and he's gone. I mean... I would probably be okay with that situation up until he disappeared. Then I Mm -hmm. would be like, okay, this is sketchy. But like the minute that they have like a deadly weapon in their hand or like something that they could use as such. And I think they're a real person, especially if they, I like turn around and they're just like right here in my face. Oh, no, thanks. That ghost is far away. Blink ghost is close up thing. Oh, oh my gosh. No. Mm. 
Mm, yeah, mm. that would be pretty fantastic. It'd be aw- Really? To you? It would, it would be fantastic? It'd be like scary in the moment, but it'd be a great story for later. I mean, yes, but I just, I think I would have a heart attack and like just that would be it for me. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Well, Deadwood has been a popular place for people to investigate the paranormal for a long time. Wow. Several ghost shows have had their episodes here, each with their like unique take on things. I mean, hell, even the name kind of puts you in that headspace. What better place to be haunted than places named Deadwood or I know, Tombstone? Right? Yeah. They always give them like real ominous names, it right? seems like. I mean, maybe it was just a flair for the dramatic, but they really knew how to give towns memorable names back then. Wasn't another one like Vulture City mm, or something like I'm that? Sh- I, I have no doubt, you know. It's just interesting. Right. Yeah. Like where you live. I live in the Boneyard. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, just some people are like, we're just going to call this town fucking Murderville. Mm -hmm. And it's cool. Everybody's cool with that, right? And everybody at the town hall is like, hell yeah. Fuck yeah. So I really wanted the Wild Bill hauntings to be like real and accurate. But I'm also a little bit skeptical of any place that makes a decent amount of tourism dollars off being haunted. At some point, you've got to acknowledge that they benefit from the perception of being ghost infested. Now, that said, it doesn't matter much to me because I still would go there and spend a few of my dollars to see if I experienced anything unusual or abnormal. Oh, yeah, for sure. I would love to go there. And I mean, I agree with your statement about like anybody that kind of capitalizes on ghosts like, "Mm." but honestly, a lot of these places do that. I mean, most places that are like, quote unquote, highly haunted do capitalize on their ghosts. And I'm all for that, right? I get like, hey, we're going to do a ghost tour in Savannah. We're going to do a ghost tour in New Orleans, blah, blah, blah. But like when it's, hey, come on down to the place Wild Bill was murdered. And, you know, we've got his ghost. Yeah. It's like, nah. There's like the the part where it's like you go to a place that is, you know, famous for murder, right? That's one side of it. But then there's the part where it's like you're coming here to see a particular ghost of a particular person at a particular spot. I mean, you could say that for like the Lizzie Borden house. A lot of people are like, oh, Lizzie's there. And Mm. I mean, she didn't die there, but she uh, probably killed her parents. You know what I mean? People just capitalize on ghosts. I'm just saying I don't like it. I mean, you don't have to like it. I don't like it either. But that's just kind of the way that it works. Well, that's the close of the paranormal for Deadwood. There may be a lot more historical aspects to it, which I find super interesting, but this isn't a history podcast, despite how much history I actually throw into my paranormal research. I do try to include only the history that matters, though. Anyways, what'd you think? I thought it was great. I I love old, like, mining towns, old ghost western towns. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is something that appeals to me. I think it appeals to a lot of people. We're all fascinated by that. I think anywhere with a lot of violence, people are just kind of like drawn to. Yeah, anywhere with a violent history or uh, history of violence kind of makes other things more interesting. Mm-hmm. So like um, if you, you got a place where it's like, oh, there are bar fights every night, you'd be like, all right. And then you're like, and then there were shootouts in the street. You'd be like, all right, I'm listening now. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And then like they were murdering each other in their beds. Mm-hmm. And people are like, go on. Right. Opium dens, brothels. <laughs> and like you start getting into all of that. And it's just, it makes for a interesting, intriguing place. I mean, I know whenever I had the opportunity to go to Tombstone, I jumped at it. 
it was probably one of the coolest trips I've ever taken, other than like New Orleans. Right. So yeah. I get it. I mean, Tombstone is a pretty cool place. Yeah, it really is. I really enjoyed going there. Well, I think I would really like to go hit Deadwood. Oh, yeah, definitely. I've never really uh, had a desire to go to South Dakota because I've never been like, oh, there's a lot to do there. I guess like Mount Rushmore. Uh huh. But I don't know. This would definitely give me a reason to go. Yeah, it's it's on the list now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this list just keeps growing. And sadly, this podcast is just going to make it keep growing. I know. And I mean, I'm not mad about it, but I'm kind of mad about it because I know that there's no way we could hit like every single one of them. True, but we can have ideas for a bunch of cool places to go, go see wherever we go. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. I really hope, especially like after the kids are grown and out of the house, Mm -hmm. you know, when we have a little bit more free time, we can, you know, maybe get a fifth wheel and just kind of go. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Go hit some of these places and hopefully the podcast is still going and we can, you know, do some shows in these haunted locations. Yeah, I don't know if we'd be able to do it acoustically inside of a fifth wheel. That would probably be real echoey. Oh, no, you definitely can. There's podcasts that do them. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, color me stupid. There is a podcast, and for the life of me, I cannot remember the name of it, but they are a long-haul truck driver, Oh. and they do a podcast in their truck on the road. Really? Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of it. If I can remember the name, like, later, I'll shout them out, but yeah. That's fucking fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would really like to see their setup and how they do it. Oh, I've seen pictures of it. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is interesting. They've just got like a desk and then their mic and then they have a laptop and I, I think like, you know, some other equipment. Steering yeah. wheel, pedals. No, no, no. It's it's in the back where their bed is. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you meant like they're doing a podcast while he's driving. Like No, I meant like when they stop for the night gotcha. or whatever, they'll go in the back and, and record. That would be terrible for me because it would be like me driving, talking about something, and I'd be like road rage. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. And I know that that profession is heavily male dominant, but it's actually a female. Oh, really? Yes. No way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A female truck driver podcaster. I will say and admit that I stereotyped and was like, "It's, it's a couple of dudes. No, not at all. One female. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm hmm. Well, are you ready to move on to some listener stories? I am indeed. All right. This episode is sponsored by Ombre Lab. Are you struggling with a health issue and can't figure out the cause? Your gut may be to blame. If you're struggling with issues like bloating, abdominal pain, maintaining a healthy weight, constantly getting sick, skin issues, or even just daily happiness and mental health and can't figure out what the cause is, the answer could literally be found in your gut. Your gut contains trillions of bacteria, both good and bad. When your body doesn't have enough good bacteria, the bad bacteria flourishes. When this happens, you can start to experience these symptoms. Ombre Lab makes it easy to measure your gut health by offering an at-home test that can measure your bacteria levels. The test will ship straight to your door with easy-to-follow collection instructions. Upon receiving your results, Ombre Lab will give you a detailed breakdown of your gut bacteria, the health issues it may be causing, and what specific foods you need to consume more of or less of to improve your health. They will even develop personalized probiotics to help heal your gut that are sent to you with a super simple subscription plan. 
So if you're struggling with any of the symptoms I mentioned and you want to see if your gut health has the answers, go to tryombre.com slash paraffin to get $30 off your test. That's tryombre.com slash paraffin. Thank you to Ombre Lab for sponsoring this episode. This episode is sponsored by Keen. Sometimes we want impartial advice on life's challenges, clarity and love, relationships, careers, and more. Keen offers a psychic reading to give you answers on these very topics. Keen provides access to vetted psychics and spiritual advisors who provide guidance and insight. Keen advisors are available 24-7. There's always someone online, and you could even schedule a call with an advisor. As a new Keen customer, you can try your first 10 minutes for only $1.99. Just visit trykeen.com slash paraffin to get this exclusive offer. Pricing then depends on which advisor you choose, and the services are backed with a satisfaction guarantee. Keen is the most affordable way to meet new advisors. When you find the right advisor, developing an ongoing relationship leads to a number of benefits. Monthly intention setting, gaining clarity on the significance of synchronicities, chakra clearing, and more. Each week, Keen sends its users discounts on readings. This makes Keen one of the most affordable ways to receive multiple readings. If you're a current Keen user, check your email to see this week's discounts. Thank you to Keen for sponsoring this episode. We gather here today to hear a tale from our friends from the other side. Okay, so it's my turn to tell you my listener story first. Yep, you go first this time. So I'm very excited about this story, but I kind of have like, I don't know, uh, this weird love-hate relationship with it. You'll see why. We haven't ever done a story about a near-death experience, but that's what this is. So I'm like loathe to say that it's like I enjoyed it because Mm -hmm. he almost lost his life, Mm -hmm. but you know. But it did intrigue you. It does. So it says, hey, Isabel and Andrew, when I was 25 years old, I bought my first motorcycle. It was an exciting time in my life as I was really wanting to get out and enjoy the world for what it had to offer. Mm -hmm. And a motorcycle seemed the best way to do that. It was a gorgeous Harley, and I remember spending practically the entire day with it, just embracing the freedom it brought. Hmm. I get it. I used to have a uh, victory. Yeah, you sure did. Uh, About a year after I'd bought the bike, I was cruising down an interstate a few hours from my home when a truck sideswiped me. Mm. I don't remember the crash. I don't remember hitting the pavement. I don't remember being taken to the hospital. But I will give you a rundown of what the police report said happened. Okay. I was riding at 70 miles per hour, and a truck came into my lane. I guess he couldn't see me with his blind spot. When he hit me, I flew from the bike and skid for 40 feet. Some of the drivers on the interstate saw what happened and pulled over to check on me and to call an ambulance. They said I was out cold, that I looked dead. I had a helmet on, luckily, but no one thought it had done me much good. After I'd been taken to the hospital, I found myself waking up. Though that's not really the right term to use because I was not inside of my body. There was an extremely bright light above me and I was floating toward it. Here's the thing though. I turned over in the air and looked down at essentially my dead body at this point Mm -hmm. and noticed there was this ribbon attaching like my spirit to my body. 
I knew instinctively that if I touched that ribbon, it would sever and that I wouldn't be able to go back into my body. I knew I would go on into whatever that bright light was above me. I was so tempted to touch it. I felt at peace and I was happy. Mm. But I could see my wife and two small children in the room watching my body and I knew that I had to go back. I also knew that going back meant giving up this incredible feeling that I had and going into months or years of pain with recovery from that wreck. But I made my choice and slammed back into my body. I woke immediately and the feeling of loss from that happiness was somehow worse than the pain I felt. I spent a few weeks in the hospital recovering and several years just trying to get back to normal. I was mentally and physically broken. I will spare the details of what exactly was wrong with me, but it was one of the darkest times of my life. After I had recovered enough, I had a chance to speak with the doctor while I was still in the hospital. He told me that the only reason I had survived was a combination of the helmet and the leather jacket my wife had just given me as a present two days prior and a whole lot of luck. While I agree with the helmet and jacket and luck too, I guess, I feel there was a fourth reason in there. I wish you could see me through this email pointing upward. Thanks for reading my email. Love the show, Eddie. Wow. Yeah. Like that is, oh my gosh. It's heavy, right? What an incredible story. And like, I can't imagine dealing with the knowledge. Like I'm having a huge amount of trouble just coping with the fact of like you going through it and that being reality. Yep. And like for you to go through it and that be your reality. That's wild. I know. And that's why I said I was kind of like hesitant to be like, I really love this story because he almost lost his life. Yeah. And I mean, even though it's it's like great, he came back. It's It was almost like a love-hate relationship with the having to choose to come back mm-hmm. because he was so happy. It's It's a very... It's a very hard, heavy story. Yeah. But so very intriguing. That's a really hard decision to make. You mm-hmm. know? Like It would be. It would be very, like, if you were seriously that happy and mm-hmm. that at peace, I could understand wanting to stay that way. Yeah. I don't know. I guess that's a decision you only make in the moment. Yeah, pretty much. So thank you, Eddie, so much for that email. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. And we're very glad that you're okay. Sorry. Yeah. Should have said that earlier. For sure. Mm-hmm. Man. All right. Well, you ready for my story? I am. All right. So this one is titled Staring in the Mirror. Oh, I didn't title mine. I forgot again. This one came with a title. Oh, okay. All right. So this story is probably different from the many others you have heard. I think the key to this uh, was that prior to this experience, I had been trying to become more religious and more Christian-like. I had just smoked a little weed with a friend and went inside my house as he headed home. As soon as I stepped into my room, I was overwhelmed with an intense feeling, a feeling I couldn't begin to describe. The only thing I can say is that I was shaking and on the point of tears. I believe it was some type of spirit, though I'm not sure if it was good or evil. After kneeling down on one knee and trying to figure out why I felt the way I did, I heard a strong voice in my head. However, it was the strangest thing. As the voice wasn't speaking to me in words, but I knew what it was trying to say. It told me to go into the bathroom, take my contacts out, and look directly in the mirror. What? When I did as I was told, I experienced something totally out of the ordinary as I was looking in the mirror. Staring directly into my own eyes, the strange feeling intensified and everything except my head was blurred out. 
What? Suddenly I saw my eyes like pop out. The only way I can describe it was similar to looking at a 3D book. When you're supposed to cross your eyes, certain images pop up. Well, that's how my eyes popped out at me. And then my mouth started moving and spitting out words that I wasn't thinking on my own. The only phrase I remember saying is, oh my dear God, I'm changing right before my own eyes. Oh my gosh. It's been about three months since this, ha since this happened to me. Afterwards, it was like something took over my whole body. I kneeled down on the ground and my elbows hit the floor when suddenly my thumbs went straight into the upper part of my eye right over my eyelids but under my eyebrows. At this point, it was like something was speaking to me or like through me. Once again, my mouth started moving and words started coming out of my mouth, but they weren't my words. They told me to not even try to move, that I was frozen in time for that moment. I remained in that position for a good half hour while the spirit talked to me. I believe it was either God or Satan. The things that it told me are too personal for me to share. All I can say is that what it told me were things that scared the living shit out of me. The really weird thing is that when I walked out of the bathroom and looked at the clock, it said only a couple of minutes had passed. Oh, wow. I fell asleep scared and woke up twice, just, twice that night just as frightened, wanting to believe that it never happened. I'm dying to know if anyone had experienced anything remotely close to what I have experienced. Please email me if you can relate. Thanks for taking the time to read my story, and I hope it gets shared for all to hear. Stay spooky and keep up the amazing work. Side note, Andrew, you are possibly one of the funniest people I've heard on a podcast, and I look forward to your commentary and segments. Brian W. Okay, wow. Well, thank you for the uh, compliment, Brian. Um, yeah, for sure. That. He is a funny dude. <laughs> Thanks, son. You're welcome. Um, yeah, I mean, I know you said that, like, you had just smoked a little bit of weed before that happened, but, like, I know that weed would not do that to somebody. Yeah, I know? feel like that's pretty intense for, for that. Like, if you said that you dropped some acid, right. maybe. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. But not not pot. Yeah, exactly. Man, I don't know. They say that, you know, you should have a healthy fear of God. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that that would be the actual fear that you would think from would come from God. Mm. You get what I'm saying? Mm. I know that they have like the speaking in tongues thing. Yeah. But it, it doesn't sound like that. I don't understand the like... It spoke in my head, but there weren't words, but I knew what it was trying to say. Mm -hmm. I just can't comprehend that because I've never had it happen. I think the entire thing is pretty incomprehensible just because like you would have to experience something like that to really like be on board with it. My first instinct was to go with, with possession. Mm -hmm. Like seriously, that was like the the thing I was thinking the entire time was that sounds like some some possession story. Like a temporary possession? Uh, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Do like angels, angelic possession, is that a thing? Uh, maybe. I've never heard of demonic? that before, but I don't think angels would do that either. Could it go two ways, you know? I mean, maybe, but it just sounds, it didn't sound right, especially because Brian was like, what they told me scared the shit out of me. And it's like... Would an angel, like, come and oh, possess yeah. you and scare the shit out of you? Would God come, you know, to show you your eyes popping out? And you know what I mean? Like, it just, it doesn't feel good to me. Mm. Like, I'm not trying to, like, scare you, Brian. <laughs> like, but that, it literally doesn't, it doesn't feel godly to me. I don't know. Maybe, but I don't know. Yeah. We don't know. Maybe the truth is just scary. I mean, yeah, for sure. 
Um, I've never experienced anything like that. I mean, even close. Right. Um, and I've actually never heard of a story like that other than like maybe some backhanded correlations with possession stories. Mm-hmm. But even that, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. Very, very odd. Very unusual. Yeah. I think both of ours were just very different today. They were, for sure. Oh, man. Well, Good thanks stories. for sending in that story, Brian. Yep. Thank you, Brian and uh, Eddie. Thank you for sending in your stories. Yeah, for sure. Oh, boy. All right. Well, you ready to move on to a video? I sure am. Okay. We'll believe it when we see it with video evidence. So I know this week is your video, technically. And normally you would start talking, you know, at this point. But we needed to make a short announcement before we go into the video Last week, we talked about the possibility of getting rid of this segment Mm -hmm. because we weren't sure how well it fit into the show because we're an audio-only podcast right now. There's nothing visual. And we were afraid because y'all couldn't see the video without like clicking on the link that we put in the show notes or watching the video that we post on socials. We were afraid that it just wasn't like a good fit. Mm -hmm. Um, But we got an overwhelming positive response from people about it saying that they really enjoy this segment. And I didn't hear anybody say anything negative about it. Yeah, I did not get one message or email saying that they hated it, that we should get rid of it. In fact, we got several emails and messages saying we really enjoy this segment. So I think that we're going to go ahead and keep it, Mm -hmm. at least for now. If it presents a problem in the future, we might reassess. Right. So, without further ado, we have this week's video, which is a very short one. Okay. Uh, It's part of a compilation, but it's only like five to ten seconds of footage. Oh, very short. Okay. All right. So, if you want to press play. Okay. It's labeled, Ghost Child Runs Through Car Park. Oh, wow. It's already over. Yeah. Okay. So, So it's like a, a security camera on the outside of a house pointed down at like a detached kind of awning that goes over the cars. What's that called? Uh, I think car park is like... A carport. That's carport. what they're called. Yeah. yeah. It's like a, a carport and two vehicles. And then you just see a like a, essentially a ghost running through the vehicle. Yeah, like a head and like footprints or like shoes or something. It's running. very, very short though. I mean, that was only like a couple of seconds, but I'm going to replay it again. Wow. Yeah. It just, it's weird. It is weird because I can't explain it only because if, if it hadn't have run through the vehicle like that, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, maybe I, it still looked odd because it's like that typical white ghost kind of shape. Yeah, that translucent Mm-hmm. But I mean, it ran through that vehicle. It's weird, isn't it? It is very strange. I, I don't know. I don't have an answer for it, but... It was the, it was about the size of a child. And that's why I picked that one, because I didn't have an answer for it either. Yeah, I mean, and plus the way that it was running, it was very fluid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Well, it was a good video. I, I mean, it was short, and it wasn't scary, but it was good, because it, it does make me, it does make me wonder. It's a head scratcher. I think sometimes, because we have a ring doorbell, right? Yeah. And I always think, like... If I ever get a notification that there is movement and I bring it up and I just see some weird shit, Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do. Black-eyed children? Oh my gosh, please no. (laughs) Like, I think that would probably be the worst thing. But at the same time, it's like, 
they don't really bother you unless you let them in. Mm. Like they can't. It doesn't seem that they really do anything to you unless you're just like, hey, come on in, fuckers. Smash the door. Yeah. Bam, bam, bam. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, but it's just like, what if you're chilling, right? And you get a notification on the ring doorbell and it's like, oh, there's something moving out there. So you Mm -hmm. just bring up the camera. And then there's just like this ghost, like just looking in the camera at you. And then it just poof. Oh, man. If it was like looking in real close, like, you know, fisheye lens, like, no, that'd take and then like it that. just disappears. I I don't know. Like, I think about that stuff because, like, I love having security cameras because, like, there's crazy people in the world. Mm-hmm. And I like to feel safe, you know? There have been ring doorbells that have actually saved people's lives. Yeah. It's just, I think about that side, too, the paranormal side. And I'm like, ah, oh, cameras scare me sometimes. Yeah. Burn the house down. But then you're just outside with the ghost. <laughs> no, you burn the house down and you find somewhere else to live. Oh, I guess. I mean, insurance money. Oh, no, we're not going to say that because <laughs> if that ever happens, we don't want it on audio. You have a point. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you don't ever want any evidence. Insurance companies, if our house ever burns down, it was definitely not us. <laughs> Delete all of this. <laughs> I hate it. Our house is going to catch fire and they're going to be like, remember that podcast episode? Fuck y'all. <laughs> we're not paying you shit. <laughs> Damn it. (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay. Well, are you ready to move on to a cryptid? Yes. Okay. Cryptid catalog. Don't expect this in the mail. It's my cryptid. Cryptod. Cryptod. Mm -hmm. A cryptid named Todd. Cryptid Todd. So picture this. You're outside looking at the beautiful full moon that is hanging high over the Louisiana swampland. Love it. You're at peace listening to the frogs croak and the crickets chirp. Mm-hmm. Then you hear a loud howl close by. Yes. It sounds familiar to a wolf, but there's something not quite right about it. You look around and you spot a snarling beast standing on two legs with its snout pointed towards the moon. Mm. It lets out another blood-curling howl, and you immediately think, werewolf. But nope, my dear fiends, that is actually a rougarou. A rougarou. Yeah, I looked up the pronunciation, so I'm like 97% sure that that's correct. Okay. But uh, the most common spelling of it is R-O-U-G-A-R-O-U. Okay. Rougarou. Whenever I think Louisiana and a roux, I think like almost like a, a sauce base. Yeah. So the history that surrounds this werewolf-like creature dates back centuries and even spans over a few different folklores. Okay. The earliest mention that we can find of the Rougarou, however, comes from medieval France. Nice. Back in the 16th century, the people in France were notorious for blaming the Rougarou for various different crimes. Did someone get robbed? Rougarou. Did a child randomly disappear in the middle of the night? Rougarou. Mm. They were people's favorite scapegoat. Okay. Scape wolf? Scape wolf. Whatever. It's fascinating to me to look at history and think, wow, they definitely blame shit on werewolves. Yeah. And everyone was like, yep, checks out. Uh, People in the villages of France would actually grab people they blamed to be Rougarous and hold public trials for them. Normally it would be like, Bob's acting mighty strange today. Mm. Nab him. Mighty wolfy. Exactly. Now, the people of the court would ask the crowd that were there to witness the trial if they believed whoever was blamed, if they like kind of thought them to be a Rougarou. Mm-hmm. And just like with old school witch trials, most people were like, 
Yeah, definitely a Rougarou. Tragic. Now, fear of these creatures became like a huge thing for the people of France, and the legend of them passed down to their children, and then to their children, and Mm. so on and so on, cementing them into lore. Mm -hmm. Part of the lore was that the French Catholics thought you would become a Rougarou if you didn't follow the rules of Lent for seven consecutive years. And of course, just like Krampus and many other creatures, it was the perfect way to scare your child into behaving. Mm -hmm. Do what I say or the Rougarou will come steal you away from your bed. Right. And when the French began to migrate to the U.S. and Canada, they brought this lore with them. Over time, the legend of the Rougarou has shifted and changed. Even the name changed from the original of Loop Garou, I think is what it is, to Rougarou. Hmm. But there are some things that didn't change, such as the beast will hunt down Catholics even to this day that don't follow the rules of Lent. It's like a big one. Now, some say that the Rougarou is under a 101-day curse that was given to them by a local witch or a voodoo priestess, Hmm. that they will remain under the curse for 101 days unless they can essentially infect someone else by transferring the curse. Tag, you're it. Exactly. However, you can protect yourself from the curse by laying out 13 small items by your door. Perfect. Why 13? Because a Rougarou can only count to 12. Duh. Really? Yeah. If a Rougarou sees these 13 items, they will begin to count them and be unable to. This will confuse it and it will continue trying to count until the sun rises and it then must flee. Oh, so they can't be touched by the sun. Yeah. No, no sunlight. Do they turn back into a human during the day kind of thing? I don't know. Is that too werewolfy? I have no idea. So many questions. Even to this day, there are Rougarou sightings in Louisiana. Okay. And it's such a huge part of the lore there that there is an actual annual Rougarou festival. A festival? Yep. Even the zoo in New Orleans has a Rougarou exhibit, which includes a fun-looking statue of the creature. Nice. And I'm pretty upset that I didn't know about this while we were in New Orleans, and it gives us the perfect reason to go back. Mm, It's true. It does. Yeah. And uh, then after that, we'll go see the Mothman statue. (gasps) No. It's fine. That's not even in New Orleans. No, it's fine. We'll make a double trip. It's way away. There's no point in driving that far it's pointless. It's a cryptid statue tour. Nah, nah. I have no business being anywhere near where the Mothman could be. We'll take a detour. I'm pretty sure at this point the Mothman has heard of me and <laughs> is like waiting for me. Like specifically, like I'm just waiting for Isabel. Yeah. That's enough reason for me to not go. That's perfect reason for us to do that. Capture it. Get it on camera. You can go by yourself. But then it's not going to show up. It's waiting for you. Well, I mean, maybe it'll like show up because it thinks I'm with you. Mm, nope, it knows. You've got to be there. It can smell me on you. Mm, it's coming for you and you only. Okay, if that's the case, then it would leave West Virginia and just come to North Carolina. No, you can't. Okay, nope. Anyways, so that was the Rougarou. <laughs> that was a cool cryptid. Yeah, I, I thought so. I'm always like a big fan of anything werewolf. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably one of my favorite cryptids. And... It's interesting to hear like different werewolf lores in different places around the world. And it's just fascinating. And I thought it was very interesting because remember when we did the Cryptid Galore episode? Yes. And you did the Beast? Yep. That was in France, right? Mm -hmm. And it just, you know, this lore came from the French. And I'm like, is there a correlation there? There very well could be, you know, like Mm -hmm. two like variations. 
Yeah, it seemed like it was around the same kind of time period, too. It's just they had different names, but it almost sounds like the same beast. Right, exactly. So I don't know. Maybe. I don't know either. But yeah, there you go. Pretty legit. Yep. Well, are you ready to move on to Spirit Board? I was about to ask you the same thing. All right. Is there anyone out there who wishes to communicate through the Spirit Board? So I have the first Spirit Board. Okay. Are you ready for it? I am. It says... Andrew and Isabel, while I typically enjoy the podcast, you had me frustrated the other day when you were talking about lobotomies. Ooh, okay. I will concede that ice picks were used when the procedure was first thought of, but the device used was called an orbit orbitoclast. It's like orbitoclast. It was used in conjunction with a hammer to perform the lobotomy. The orbitoclast also has marks etched into the shaft as gradation marks so they knew how deep they were inside of the brain. Just figured I would reach out to you and let you know so you can tell all the fiends and that way we can all be smarter together. Also, did you know that they sell orbitoclasts on Etsy? Just in case you need a modern day lobotomy kit. I'm looking forward to this week's episodes and I love the podcast. Keep it up, Danielle. They sell like legit ones that were used? I looked it up and it's like... I don't know if they were used, but you can actually get an orbitoclast and a hammer, like stainless steel. It looks like they might have made them new and just like been crafty with them. I mean, they probably are replicas, but to be fair, I actually do follow a shop on Etsy that sells legit old school medical devices. Really? Yeah, like ones that were used and everything. No way. You remember whenever I showed you a picture of the little coffin with the bat in it? Yep. Same shop. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And uh, it's... So, I mean, it wouldn't be too far-fetched to think that you could find some that mm-hmm. are, like, legit and were used. Right. But I I don't know. I'm going to look into it now. Something somebody snatched out of an asylum. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how I would feel owning something like that because it's just, like, an instrument of torture, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I want something like that. It's like, it feels like bad juju. You know what I mean? It could be. I just... I'm okay with like certain things that I know probably weren't used for horrible things like that, um, that I would be interested in having. They even have uh, bone saws mm. in that shop. I like to get the old school chainsaw. Oh my gosh. The ones up. for like C-sections? Yeah. Oh boy. No thanks. That'd be interesting. Yes, it would be. Okay, so you're ready to hear about my spirit boards? I am. And they say spirit boards because I actually have more than one today. And I'm going to start off this with, I just want to say how much I fucking love every single one of you. All of you fans just make me so happy. And if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how I got criticized because I say fuck too much. And it seems like everybody loves me saying fuck. They are very pro-swear. Oh, yeah. So the first one I have, the subject was, please never change. I just listened to your latest episode, and I would just like to say that I love your show and ask you to never change. Your banter and one million F words are what keep me entertained. So once again, please never change. Keep it creepy. Sending lots of love from Denmark, Jimmy. Denmark. That's cool. Yeah, definitely. Appreciate you, Jimmy. Yes, I do appreciate you so, so much. Okay, so I'm going to read one more. So this says, Hi, Isabel and Andrew. I'm loving the podcast. You two are doing an amazing job, and your content is always fresh and exciting. Thank you. Dope. Appreciate that. 
By the way, guys, I just heard about the complaint regarding Isabel's fucks. It's my favorite expression, too. As a recovering people pleaser, I can totally understand not wanting to piss listeners off, but there's always going to be someone complaining about something. Just be yourselves. There are way more of us that adore you both just the way you are. Monica. Appreciate that, Monica. And I think, uh, you know, just be yourself is probably good advice all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And Monica also said that she'll be joining our Patreon soon. And I can't wait to see you over as a super fiend. Yeah, very cool. We appreciate seeing, or we can't wait to see you over there. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, I just want to say it one more time that just thank you, guys. Like, Mm -hmm. thank you so much for being here and listening to us and sending lots of love I read every single message that y'all sent in, every email mm-hmm. telling me that, you know, essentially you like me saying fuck. So, I, you know, I guess we're just going to kind of roll with it. All the swears. Yeah, exactly. I don't really have much else um, as far as content. Mm-hmm. We have uh, some super fiend shout outs. So we have two super fiends to shout out today. Stephanie. Hey, Stephanie. Welcome to Super Fiendiness. Yes. Hey, Stephanie. And then we also have Kenneth Fry. Hey, Kenneth Fry. Welcome to Super Fiendiness. Super Fiendiness. Super Fiendiness. Yes. Thank you both so much. And we're so excited to have y'all as a Super Fiend. Absolutely. And if any of you fiends out there would like to become a Super Fiend, come join us on Patreon. And, you know, get some awesome content. Yep. You help uh, support us in the show and... You know, that helps us keep putting out good content. Exactly. And that's patreon.com slash paraffine podcast. And the link is also in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because Patreon is a pretty awesome time. Yeah, I really, I really do enjoy it over there. And I like the fact that we're able to make donations every month with all of the proceeds that we're getting. Yeah. It just, I don't know, it makes me feel good about doing something like that. And here pretty soon, I think we're going to start doing announcements for the uh, charities that we're choosing to donate to. Mm -hmm. The last couple of months, we haven't made those announcements. It's been like a thing that we've just talked to the super fiends about. But I think we're going to start making that a public uh, knowledge. Yep. Mm -hmm. So we also hope that you'll come and join us on our social medias. And all of those links are in the show notes as well. Especially our fiends page on Facebook. Yep. Spreading the word about those pages and, you know, spreading word about the podcast is a great way to uh, help support the show as well. So if you tell, you know, friends, family, and strangers on the street about us, it really helps. It definitely does. It helps more than you know. And every time you, like, rate us and review us on the podcast apps, it helps get us into, like, those spotlight positions on the apps so that other fiends can find us. Yeah, that'd be cool to see Parafiend on, you know, the open screen of like Spotify or something. Oh my gosh, that's like a dream. Mm-hmm. Maybe one day, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. So before we go, um, I just wanted to give a reminder about the paraffin stickers. We still do have some left as of this recording, which we're recording on Wednesday, two days before that this comes out. If you're wanting to get a sticker before they run out, please send your address to spiritboard at paraffinepodcast.com. Yep. You're going to have to get them before they're gone because once they are out, we are not going to be making any more for the free distribution. Yeah. No, once these are out, then that's that's it for that. And it's going to end up being like a paid option or something for our super fiends. I'm not sure yet. 
Um, but don't forget that our links for our video evidence are in the show notes, guys. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, I, I'll post them on the social media so that y'all can watch them as well. Uh, other than that, I think that's that's it. That's all I've got. Yeah, we hope that y'all have a fantastic weekend. We'll see you next Tuesday. All right, until next time.